from here, I want to then move next into someone who really picked up the lead on a lot of Canada's climate change and related economic leadership uh, after forming government in 2015. Someone who more recently uh, served as chair of the United Nations Secretary General's high-level expert group on net zero commitments of non-state entities, and someone who we're very fortunate to have here today, Catherine McKenna, who will be joining me in conversation on stage now. Give her a warm welcome, please. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Catherine. And I do want to start with 2015 for you. We are leading into COP28, another major climate conference. And I think a lot of Canadians would remember in 2015 in December, the first one that you took Canada to uh, with the beginnings of a new commitment. Uh, I want you to think a little bit when you think back to then, how far you think we've come or how far we still need to go as we enter another one eight years after that one you first went to as environment minister. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's hard to go back to that time because I, I literally knew nothing about climate. Like I cared about climate change. My kids cared about climate change. It's a pretty complicated space. Um, look, as Mark pointed out, we've done really hard things. Um, as Dale pointed out, actually, we can meet our target for the first time ever. But hard things are hard, folks, and you got to stay the course. And so I think we've shown, or the world has shown, uh, that we're moving to a cleaner future. But sometimes I think the conversation in Canada, it just inhibits us from actually being successful in this cleaner future. And what does success look like? Success looks like winning. Uh, what did you say, Mark? It was the, the green powers. We want to be the green power, and we have the huge opportunity to do that. We want good jobs, good jobs for everyone across the country. We want clean air. My friends in New York are like, oh, wow, is your biggest export now like air pollution? Uh, we're going to have to deal with that. Uh, we want clean water. And most of all, we want a more sustainable future for our kids. So we can do this. Um, and we've seen this. We have the policies to do this. But we can't continuously lurch back and forth because guess what? That's terrible for business. Business needs certainty. Um, and the polling shows Canadians want action. They want the action outlined in our climate plan, starting with the first pan-Canadian framework in 2016 that's been continued under Jonathan Wilkinson, under the Prime Minister, with the leadership of Stephen Guibaud, who was there, by the way, in 2015 supporting us. And what does that mean? We need to do things like we need to continue putting a price on pollution. And let's just be clear. So, of course, we care about affordability. That's all I thought about. I thought about how do we make sure we do this in a way that protects the most vulnerable? Because guess what? I'm a liberal. That's what liberals care about. We care about doing hard things, but we care about people. So that is why I fought so hard, including um, with Sarah's support, but there was some fighting internally to make sure all the money went back. There wasn't like green plans and we're doing all these things. Money was going back transparently and there was predictability on this so the most vulnerable were better off. And that is, you can go look at how it's structured. The most vulnerable are better off. But what's going on now? So we've seen what's happened. People are concerned about prices. Why? Why, why are people concerned about oil and gas prices or oil and gas costs? Because oil and gas costs more. It's not carbon pricing, folks. It's oil and gas costs. Of course, there are other inflationary pressures. But while at the same time, 
that oil and gas costs more, that regular people in Atlantic Canada, but across the country are paying more, what's happening with oil and gas? They are making historic record obscene profits. And are their profits going back to you folks? Are they going back to the most poor, most vulnerable? No, they're going back to shareholders, who by the way, most of them are not here in this country. And at the same time, these same companies are demanding that they get subsidies from taxpayers, that taxpayers actually pay to clean up the pollution they are causing. I'm sorry, folks, that's not a thing. That's not where Canadians at. We can't be taken. So we just need to hold the course. If we want to meet our targets, we can do it. The good news, there is a plan. It is hard, but we are doing it in a way that supports Canadians. We're doing it in a way that grows our economy. We're doing it in a way that attracts investment. But we have unfinished business. So we have to finish that business that is already set out. We need a cap on emissions. We finally, finally need the sustainable finance roadmap. I don't know what is going on at finance. Like, did they not believe the environment and the economy go hand in hand? Have they not seen the IEA projections? Have they not talked to everyone around the world, the global investors who are demanding certainty about what's going to be classified as green? Is it perfect? No. But it's actually pretty damn good. And the fact that all the financial institutions supported it means that we should actually be doing it. But we have a bunch of policies we need to keep on keeping on, and then we can actually meet our target. But more importantly, targets are like Canadians don't sit around and say, hey, are we meeting our target today? No, Canadians are saying, is life affordable? Do I have a good job? Are we tackling climate change? Are my, future, my kids going to have a future? Are we going to leave them the biggest debt ever? A debt in terms of the environmental mess we will leave them and a debt in terms of the economic loss we will have, both from climate change but not by being a green power. Well, thank you. And obviously, you've gone through a few of the questions I might have uh, taken on there. Do thank I have things to say? <laughs> Clearly, and appreciate it. Um, but I will, you touched on holding the course, uh, particularly on the price uh, on pollution that you implemented. And Dale referenced uh, the importance of expectations and predictability. Um, and on some of the targets that you, uh, you know, keep referencing, naturally, I do want to get a little bit into your report uh, that we mentioned in introducing you at the the high level uh, committee. I'm forgetting the name as I'm on stage. It's, it's actually the worst name. Ever. It's the entities. high level expert group on non-state commit entities. commitments by non-state actors. Yes. Really, it is to build on the work of Mark Carney. And let me just say, like sometimes in Canada, we don't recognize leaders, especially global leaders. Mark Carney has done more than anyone else when it comes to setting Canada on the right course. Uh, or setting the world on the right course when it comes to making sure that money is moving to clean at the scale we need and setting the framework and the policies needed for that. So it's really just providing certainty when it comes to what is required to be net zero. Um, and in life, we can't be fact-free again. Net zero means something. So I'm Irish. Very sadly, my dad died this year. It was actually terrible, but he, he really liked this analogy. So I uh, will take an Irishman because I was just in Dublin. So an Irishman goes into a bar and he sits down with his buddies and they're so excited because he said he's got this big announcement to make. And they said, okay, Jimmy, what's your announcement? And he said, I am giving up alcohol. And they can't believe it. They are just like, Jimmy, you're in the pub every single night. And he said, well, it's going to be an orderly transition. So I'm going to give it up by 2050. And they're like, Jimmy, you're going to be 105. 
said, well, you know, we can't do things, you know, too quickly. And he said, and I didn't drink, you know, I didn't come on many Sunday nights because, you know, me ma, she made me go for dinner at her house. Um, so I'm going to get credit for that. So actually, I'm going to add about five years to that. And then the drum roll, and this is a nerdy climate one, is I've got a beer fridge and I call it carbon capture starch and starch. Um, so the point is like 2050 is great that we say that, but as my kids say, like, are you going to be dead at 2050? It's not the plan, but the reality is 2050 is far too far out. We have, by 2030, we have to reduce emissions by half, folks. We're very far off that. The good news is Canada's target is actually getting very close to Canada doing its part. We still need to do more, but we can't do that if everyone just is fact-free. So what do you need to do? It's actually this report. I know no one wants to read reports. It's short. I only work in threes and tens, so it has 10 recommendations. Um, so what do you need to do? One, you need to have a long-term science-based target, but of course you need interim targets. Like you need to actually do the work now. Uh, you need to cover all your emissions. So you can't just say you're going to cover, you know, a very tiny percent of your emissions. You need to cover it for oil and gas your downstream emissions. Um, you need to uh, also report transparently. People need to be able to see, are you actually doing what you said you're going to do? But the UN Secretary General, who is very blunt, which I think is good because I'm pretty blunt, um, he also was worried about greenwashing. So you also set out what you cannot do. One, you cannot invest in new fossil fuel infrastructure and put up your hand and say you're a climate leader. That's not a thing. That's not, that is not consistent with the science. That is not consistent with the IEA projections. So if you are putting up your hand and saying you're committed to net zero and you are still investing in new fossil fuel infrastructure, you're still building new fossil fuel infrastructure, you are not net zero. Just do it. Just, just follow what you need to do. Two, you cannot just buy cheap credits rather than reducing your own emissions. And three, and this is a really important one because I often hear from folks that it's really hard because governments, they don't set the policies. Well, you cannot lobby against climate policy and you should lobby for climate policy that is going to help you do what you need to do. And I mean, you can go to oil and gas lobby bot right now and you can just see how much lobbying there is by the oil and gas sector. That has an impact. There's an impact on folks. I joke, but I'm actually not joking. I really wish kids could go in and lobby, uh, lobby uh, politicians. They could sit there and say what they expect for their future in 2030 and 2050 because they're not going to be a kid then. But I think we need an ambitious loop. And to put it in a positive frame, when I was environment minister, I helped create the Carbon Pricing Leadership Coalition. So I went around town, town by town, off in Bay Street, and uh, I had the environmentalists, thank you all the environmentalists, but I needed actually others. And if I'm gonna stand up and defend carbon pricing against Pierre Polyev, you know, saying things that are just absolutely not true, it really helps to actually have the job creators because um, it was supposed to be job killing. Um, so I went around and I, I got businesses. So I got two banks and then all five banks joined to support carbon pricing. We had manufacturing companies, we had consumer goods companies, and we had one brave, at the time, oil and gas company. And we were able to do it. And so I think like the whole point of the Net Zero Report is to actually just be clear. Emissions need to go down now. Money needs to go up its, its scale to clean. And as Marcus has also talked about, it's really important that we're supporting less developed countries. Because they want to be part of the transition. They deserve clean electricity. 
they deserve good jobs. So we need to be supporting them so that's actually achievable. And by the way, they're paying the price. They're paying the biggest price from our fossil fuel caused climate crisis. It's the folks that we see or often don't see. 10,000 people died in one day in Libya when a dam broke as a result uh, of, well, obviously challenges in, in post-conflict countries, but also with extreme weather. And so we can all do this, but we just need some discipline and we need to do what we've said we're going to do and we need leadership. And so folks, you are the leaders in the room. You can all lead the way in whatever sector you're in and you can be a leader, not a laggard. There is a leadership question I want to ask to you that also bridges into some of the more global discussion, which I think will take a lot more of all of our discussion up very soon as uh, American primaries start entering the calendar. You were Minister of Environment and Climate Change when Donald Trump was President of the United States uh, and saw as he took the United States out of the Paris Accord uh, and began to wound back, uh, wind back so much of the climate progress that North America had begun to work together on. We don't know if he'll be the president or someone like him will be president by next week, next year. Uh, but what are you worried about most? What should this group, governments at all orders in Canada, be concerned about? How should they be preparing for what you already had to do? Steward Canadian climate policy leadership in that kind of environment. So what's interesting when, I mean, obviously it's a bit of a gong show um, when, when Donald Trump got elected on the climate front because it actually raised the profile of the Paris Agreement because he's like, everyone's like, is he in or is he out? And so no one ever heard of the Paris Agreement, most regular people. And so suddenly a reality TV show happened on that front. But, but what actually also happened, because of course I was like, okay, how do we keep it going? I'm always like strategizing. How do we just keep things going? And the first tweet, when Donald Trump said he was, he was I guess he tweeted when he was on Twitter, because he's still on X or whatever it is, um, but he tweeted out that he was out. And the first tweet uh, ever by the, uh, the CEO of Goldman Sachs was like, we're still in. And what you saw was very interesting. You saw um, companies and uh, financial institutions, cities and regions actually step up to fill the void. And look, politics is what it is. I wish everyone just did what they said they were going to do and always stuck with it because hard things are hard and we need certainty and we need to stay the course and nothing could be more important than figuring out how do we tackle climate change by building a strong economy. But uh, you got to figure out who your allies are. And I think in that case, you know, the, there uh, are, Wab Canoe getting elected is, is transformational, but we don't know if we're going to have politicians that are going to do the hard things. So I think we've got to really figure out how do we give power to people? And I've been spending a lot of time about this because it's not just Donald Trump. The geopolitics is terrible right now for climate if you were relying solely on world leaders. But look at the polling. We've come so far because people are worried. Every single day they see the impacts of climate change. They have kids. And go talk to women. The polling with women is even higher if you were to disaggregate it or with young people. And so I think that we need a coalition of the, the high ambition coalition of everyone, like the Pope. The Pope is, is all in on climate. Think how many Catholics there are uh, who, who there's an opportunity to work with. Labor, workers and jobs, working with unions, working with people who want good jobs, who understand there's going to be more jobs in the clean energy transition. Working with young people, young people who tell me there's now a coalition. They're not going to work with oil and gas companies or consulting firms or banks who are not committed to climate action, real climate action. These guys are smart. And so I think there's a real opportunity to think outside the box. 
work with business leaders that want to lead, work with politicians, of course, whatever you've got. You got to work with whoever you got. Um, but I think there's just much more momentum now. The momentum piece that we've seen in that border relationship is IRA. And that's one year on now, one year and two months on. That's a coalition we wouldn't have maybe expected, uh, you know, allowing that to be possible in the United States Congress uh, more than 15 months ago. And it's been a source of momentum. What's your reaction to that from Canada's perspective 15 months on from its passage? And we'll close with that. Uh, game's on. Like, look, you know what? Canada can't rest on its laurels. Um, I'm a competition lawyer, so that might surprise some people. But we have a lot of regulated sectors. I feel like we're not always into competing as much as we need to compete. Well, you're going to have to compete, folks. We're all going to have to compete. The government is doing a lot of good things. As Mark said, we don't have to compete every uh, subsidy for subsidy. We need things like the sustainable finance roadmap so we can actually attract investment. I talk with global investors. They're like, we don't know if it's green or not in your own economy. Um, and so, it, it, like, people, sometimes people are like, oh, it's really hard. Like, Americans are doing that and, you know, it's not fair. I don't know. Get over it. Like, this is a race. Like, we're smart. We've got critical minerals. We've got, most important, super talented people, a very diverse workforce. Uh, we have all of the opportunities, but sometimes what we lack is ambition and clear will. And yes, federalism is hard because we now have a pause on renewable energy. So in the United States, Texas is actually getting more investment, I think, than almost any other state in renewable energy. And then we have a province, Alberta, who probably has the greatest opportunity in renewable investment is actually, no, we're actually, we're actually, we'd like to take a pause right now. That makes no sense. It's like the biggest unforced error. We need to attract investment. And by the way, when Alberta does that and I go abroad, people don't say Alberta, they say Canada. So then they're like, wait a minute, Canada, I don't really understand you guys. You guys are really bonkers. Like, it's not very clear. I thought you said you cared about climate change. You did carbon pricing. I heard about that. And now you're stopping renewables. So we have to stop kind of stopping ourselves and actually take advantage of the huge opportunity. But no one gets a pass. No one every day wakes up and says, oh, I wonder what Canada's doing today. They don't do that. You got to go compete. And Americans are bloody well competing. They're going to suck up all the capital if we don't create the opportunities right here. We have great opportunities. We have, you know, great businesses. I think sometimes we got to dig deeper. We have a lot of new businesses. We have lobbying against businesses that are actually trying to do things by oil and gas, which is a problem. Um, and so... We got to do things, but you know, once again, I'll just end on hard things are hard, but we can do it. We just have to like, you got to do the work and there are no, gonna, there are going to be no shortcuts and there could be nothing more important than tackling climate change. That is why I left politics. People thought that was very weird. They're like, how can you tackle politics, outside, uh, tackle climate change outside of politics? I was like, there's this whole big world here. Pollution knows no borders. Um, but I think we all have a role and I really hope that folks stay the course because ultimately it's not for us in the room. It's for our kids and our grandkids and its future generations. Well, thank you very much for your time and insights on that.